The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by Matthew Barry and his humor. No. No. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. And brought to you by our friends at Briggs Auction, the official auction of the process at BriggsAuction.com. Big Barker. Get your Big Barker dog bed with the process patch at BigBarker.com slash Ricky. Mortgage CS. Become a Mortgage CS Ricky VIP at MortgageCS.com slash Ricky and Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, after an off season of saying that this is the best roster of Joel Embiid's career, the team fucking sucks. They are 0-3 and already being yelled at by a guy who just got here a month ago in the locker room in PJ Tucker. Things are going great. Before we get going, one place that things are great is kinetic skateboarding. I was at Bark in the Park yesterday in my camo kinetic um, shorts, or not shorts, uh, sweats. And uh, I had my my uh, my winter hat, my kinetic winter hat, as it was really cold in the morning. This is, kinetic is great in all seasons, but I believe the fall is truly where the kinetic gear shines. The hoodies, the hats, the pants, the sneakers that you can't get anywhere else. We love Kinetic. Even if you're not a skateboarder like me, total fraud. Go to KineticSkateboarding.com and use promo code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. I did mention Bark in the Park, a thank you. It was a hugely successful event. Our team raised $16,600. So thank you. All goes to Providence Animal Center. And thanks to our sponsors. So all in between the sponsor money and the funds we raised, over $25,000 went to Providence Animal Center yesterday, which is fucking great. So thank you. Um, thank you to Mortgage CS. They were there yesterday sponsoring the Food Truck Festival. Ella Pavorsky, who skipped out on, uh, on Bark in the Park, but did make a generous donation. Briggs Auction. I picked up my Briggs Auction stuff there yesterday. Uh, Body Bio and DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you all so much for your support and thanks to Providence. Province Animal Center for your life-saving. And finally, we want to offer a congrats to Brian and Julie for getting married yesterday from their friend, uh, Brady. Brady says, I know the podcast means a lot to you and something we bond over every week. Couldn't be happier for you two and can't wait to celebrate with you. And also excited for Doc to completely ruin this season. So, congratulations to Brian and Julie who got married yesterday rather than watching the Sixers. Way to do it. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is warming up his muscles for his positivity mental gymnastics he must display on this pod for everyone. That is one, Mike Levin. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people think that I'm going to be with the first comment. I think someone said it's Mike in a dark room and convincing. Uh And then other people would be more like Mike's going to be optimism guy. I don't know. I guess Mm. I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, of those things, but really, like, look, I to be a hundred percent honest with you, a hundred percent, I'm very happy about the Phillies, mm-hmm. and it's it's making it difficult for you to emotionally figure out where you are with the Seventy Sixers by a yeah. lot, yeah, yeah, by a lot, and and the Eagles six and zero. I mean, like things yeah. are things are things are good, mm-hmm. things are good, and the Sixers right now, three games into the season, the regular season. Mm-hmm. which I have notoriously never cared about. Mm-hmm. Although I guess making the playoffs would have to happen for them to make a playoff run. Right. Uh, At their current pace, that would be unlikely. Yeah, current pace would be tough. Right now, it's just like, it feels a little bit 
it, it feels a little bit funny that the Sixers are 0-3 um, and not not as a, um, not as much of a sky is falling situation. We've seen them collapse in the playoffs. And we've seen this Sixers is a new teams, one. bad Sixers teams go 3-0 and to start the season. For sure. And what happened then? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Right. So <laughs> maybe this is the opposite of that, and that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I just feel like it's I feel like it's early. I feel like it's a regular season, which I don't care about. I don't love how many minutes everyone is playing, and it's not they don't look good. But and the, I guess the idea, just like emptying the clip here, the, the idea that if they play bad enough, the supposedly Doc could be the you know Joe Girardi to right. Sam Cassell or whoever's uh, Rob Thompson or maybe uh, Rob Thompson. They just wait until the Phillies run yeah. is over and and fire Doc and replace him with Rob Thompson. Philly's manager. That's, that's very funny to imagine. Rob Thompson's like demeanor. He's the most like I'm chewing a sunflower seed <laughs> quietly to myself person on the planet. I think his demeanor, he has so little personality that like doubles back around and he has a great personality. It's very funny. Right. Um, and seeing that on a basketball coach would be, it's a different vibe for sure. Well, you know, the Sixers are lucky <laughs> in, in, in your mood I think obviously is reflected in Philadelphia. And right now in, in terms of, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you care, but in terms of general media scrutiny and fan scrutiny, I think many Philadelphians are like, ah, fuck it. Let's just like concentrate on the things that are fun instead of the things that are miserable. Mm -hmm. I do think so there's so many things here are the list of things that I just sort of want to go over because like, I, I don't want to belabor one specific game, you know, like we, we talked after the Celtics game, but now we have the Bucks game and the Spurs game to add to it. And I think there are a bunch of different things. There is the on court, the, the on court rhythm between Harden and Embiid. There's that there's the, uh, the, the deepest team that we've ever had somehow not quite deep enough to play more than eight guys and the starters all play 39 minutes. Right. Sure. There is the, the fact that the bench has scored 30 points in three games, like not great. You know, yeah. uh, there's the coach, right? There is, and, and there is how Embiid has looked to the, to the eye, even with, you know, you look at that, the, I watched the game this morning because there's a wedding last night. So you look at the box score and you're like, well, maybe Embiid played great. And then you watch the game and you're like, eh, maybe not. Then there's on top of that, the, I'm, I'm sorry, there's just a lot of things here. I want to be, I just want to lay them out. There's the, oh, by the way, Joel Embiid had plantar fasciitis over the off season. That's why he's out of shape. And also his hand hurts. It's like, oh, okay, sure. And then, uh, of course there is the, um, I, I think that, is that everything? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. Oh, and then I, th I think on top of everything that we got the report from Noah Levick yesterday uh, that Doc Rivers had said in the press conference, just because I didn't see the presser, so I'm crediting Noah, Noah Levick with this, that PJ Tucker's yelling in the locker room after the game that if they want to win, they're going to have to earn it. Um, PJ Tucker, who I guess we would expect something like that from, but kind of not great when it's like, the guy who just got here and not one of like the two best players who seems perturbed by it. So which thing, I mean, Embiid. Okay. Can we start with Embiid or do you want to start with doc? I sure. feel okay. Embiid. Like all this shit has got to stop, right? The, the, uh, the moping on the court stuff and the coming to, to camp out of shape, coming like starting the season out of shape or whatever. It's just not what best players on championship teams do at all. And, um, and getting like getting your ass busted over and over again by Jakob Pertl, like down the stretch in a game who like beats you on rebounds and then like scores on you. If you're the best defensive center in the league, just like it can't happen and you can't be throwing your arms up at Tobias Harris, even though he blew a, a defensive assignment down the stretch in the Bucks game, like all this shit, like we, we, we cannot keep advocating for him as like this best player in the world type shit. And then you look at it 
And all the other best players in the world type shit are not doing things like this. And, and, and we'll, we'll get to the, like, cause we've, uh, listeners send us some quotes from media day that we all sort of laughed off and now maybe we shouldn't laugh off, but like also the excuse making, making stuff is like, if you don't want to brag before the season about how hard you worked, you just want to do that in silence. Okay, fine. But I also like, don't want to hear like some sort of surprise that you had plantar fasciitis and that's why you're out of shape and oh, your hand hurts that you had surgery on it is like, nah, I'm just sort of over that. And I just, I, it would be nice if, if like there were 0 and 3, but he was averaging 44 and 12 and we could blame someone else. But like, he's looked like shit defensively. He's looked like shit, his mood, like all of it. He's looked like shit. And it's just kind of a bummer. I think as, as a, a, as I think two people, you and I who have advocated for his for credit for him and that the team should be like based around him and he should be able to have a say on personnel. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, here we are again. So that's a lot. Sorry. No. Yeah. I mean, I definitely defensively, Joel has not looked close to the Joel that we've come to expect. And it's kind of hard to fathom. They just look, something just looks off the whole team. Like it just seems like there's plays that they look cohesive. There's moments where they look like that's stringing together a couple good possessions, but then like it, that just goes away. And there seems to be a, like the Sixers offensively look confused more Mm -hmm. often than their opponent looks confused offensively and that is a bad sign the Sixers should have you know there's some new pieces but not too many they should have more cohesion they should have like play with more togetherness there should be like a plan by the way the starting lineup only has one new piece and he in many ways operates exactly like the piece that he replaced right you know so right yeah and Harden has obviously played extensively with PJ before correct yeah, I don't know. I mean, I th- I did think Embiid had his best offensive game yesterday against the Spurs. Jakob um, Pertl is, is a good defender. Um, he only turned the ball over twice. That's a good sign. Um, we, why did they lose? I, I don't know why they lost to the well, they, they, Spurs. They can't. I mean, honestly, they... The, so we, we talked about, like, the potential for for them defensively. But like the starting lineup wise, it doesn't pass the eye test. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it it doesn't pass the eye test. They're they're too slow. Like when you you start thinking about it in terms of the pieces and you start saying it out loud, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like even if Maxi improved, Maxi Harden backcourt defensively, like you're starting, you're starting like, behind the the start line in the race. And then you look at Tobias, who has like built himself into like a capable thing, but he's not, if you're switching him onto a guard or a, an athletic small forward, he's going to have trouble. And then Embiid is a, a great defender, but he's not like particularly uh, mobile on the perimeter. And there's only really one guy in the starting lineup who who is capable of like being of being a switchable defender in a, in a good scheme. And I just like defensively, I don't know how, how this works. Right. Like I, I, I know I had said beforehand before the season that I think you, you got to put Melton maybe in the starting lineup and, and bench Harris, but like with the, the problems that they've had scoring off the bench and the sort of inability to keep up uh, speed wise and switching wise in the starting lineup, I, like that seems like it might, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can bench a guy making $38 million and bring him off the bench, but like, um, and obviously that shouldn't solve everything. Joel Embiid's got to play better. James Harden has to act like he even cares, like even a little bit defensively. But, um, you know, you, you wonder how long they can look this ineffective defensively and without changing something. There's a lot, the, the problem with me, like Harden, like Maxi is, is, not as good defensively as you need him to be, especially I think all the the whole team right now off ball is the issue. I think there's a lot of, a lot of like people getting by at the point of attack for sure. But it seems like Tobias has always been prone to like turn around that happened in the, in the Bucks game that they should have won. Like that's my least favorite play is when 
you're going to half double, but not actually double and just sort of stay in this like middle space. And I'm just like, Hey, I'm just going to be as unhelpful as possible and give up an open three to take the lead. That was a horrible, horrible, horrible play from Tobias and, and something that he has done before. And also that Harden does defensively, which is just like turn around and, and leave and miss his man. Just like ball watching and letting, letting yourself get beat. Also, like if Grace Nallen wants to hit a floater going the opposite way over Joel, like great then God bless him to tie it. Like he could just want a really, really horrendous play from Tobias there. But to your point earlier, like Joel could display some more leadership qualities and not like completely put him on blast right away on the court. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's off ball. They seem like the other team just keeps getting like open shots. They keep getting, it's just like a scramble and miscommunication and open shot. And Joel's looking the other way and he's beat by, you know, whoever right by it happened in the opening night a bunch of times like Brogdon or whatever. And it's just like, man, you're just, they, we have not seen them like the bucks, buck Sixers was a slog, but I didn't feel like, and I think PJ did a relatively good job on Giannis. I thought so um, too, but you, you, there's, there's never been like that moment in those few games in the Raptors series when they seemed suffocated when they seem like the Sixers size and length and anticipation is like getting the, be- getting the best of them. And it's probably because of the point, the, the, because of the two guards, like it's not as good of a defensive team as that, uh, as that team was, but you, they, they should be better. I think they will be better. It's not like a convincing myself. Like they're not going to finish. zero and 82. I think they'll it put would it be together. hard and for I, them not to get better. I think because because Doc, I mean, like Doc said, I think some people were make, were like, um, I think I may have saw like Sixers Adam or something like reacting to this quote in a negative way, saying like we're not ready to win yet. Yes, that um, was the quote, and that's just like undeniably true. Like they should have won the Milwaukee game, and they should have handled business here, and they and they didn't. And so, like obviously, this this team as a team as a collection of of guys that are trying to play together, like they don't. There, there's something off and that is something they're going to have to figure out as the season goes on of like what their bread and butter is like consistent like commitment to like the scheme or whatever the fuck like they just don't something doesn't look right and yeah I mean like the, the pouting Joel is like is tough and I'm definitely tired of the like actually here's what's wrong plantar fasciitis is a scary word that 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 is upsetting uh, or hurts. And it was a bummer. Yeah, it's it's hard to get over. You you just have to rest. Like the thing about plantar fasciitis is like you really just have to stay off of it for uh, almost like a hamstring longer than you think you do to right. make sure that it goes away. But like I don't know, like uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. I I want to get to that doc quote in a second. Um, right after I talk about Briggs auction, Briggs auction, the official auction of the process. Love Briggs Auction. Delco, four-generation family-owned and operated. Finally got to meet uh, Stephen Turner, who uh, runs Briggs, him and his uh, lovely wife, as they were a Bark in the Park sponsor. And he brought me my my Briggs Auction winnings. So I'm like this giant spooky painting in my car, these weird posters from Vietnam and an autographed Elvis thing that I got. Love it. And he was he was giving away a uh, a Charles Barkley autographed basketball if you sign up for the newsletter yesterday. It was great. Briggs Auction is a lot of fun. Every week at this point till the end of the year, there's a new auction, whether it's an estate auction, a discovery auction. What they do is they just go around the entire area and look at giant lots like people whether like i said whether it's a state auction whether somebody's you know downsizing their their stuff or whatever and you end up with great sports collectibles great music collectibles furniture like classic furniture that you're never going to find anywhere else art that you're never going to see anywhere else and it's just fun to look at the shit in the auction every single week i love briggs auction um i love them more after meeting them and i think it's uh it's a it's just a fun thing to do at this point every week is to look what's on, what's in the auction at Briggs. Go to briggsauction.com slash Ricky, briggsauction.com slash Ricky. There's an app as well that is in Google Play in the app store. Um, that is Briggs Auction, B-R-I-G-G-S. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, just take a look. Uh, furniture wise, you're going to get like one of a kind pieces that you're not going to find anywhere else and you're not going to have to wait for six months for them to make it. If you want to downsize or have an estate or something to sell and uh, you think Briggs might be for you, info at briggsauction.com is the email address. Once again, briggsauction.com. 
Love Briggs Auction. Okay. Uh, the quote was directly, we're not ready yet, honestly. We're just not. We're not ready to win that win yet. You can feel it. You get a lot. We got a lot of work to do. Now, to your point, obviously true. Question being, why like why? I think that's that I think you can be you can see the quote and recognize that he's being honest and straightforward and give him credit for that. But then also say, okay, well, you basically knew this team, not just last year. But, and I, I don't want to hear that there was any sort of like thought that Harden might not be here. There was, there, everybody knew he was going to be here. You basically got PJ Tucker and Daniel House as quickly as you could have in the offseason. Um, and they're, to your point, they're both players that Harden is familiar with, and one of whom, and B basically asked for in Tucker and, and plays the role that should be fine for Embiid to play with. There's, really no excuse for them not to be ready, I think is my issue. Now, they're not like Boston in that they were fucking really good last year and they brought almost everybody back and they're ready to go. I understand they shouldn't be on that level, but the the sort of the discombobulation, even if every, even even if we're talking about the pieces, the pieces are the pieces in the starting lineup and maybe they're not good enough defensively, but they don't even look as good as they should look in that case. And offensively, it just kind of looks like a mess. Um, they go through stretches where it works, but overall it sort of looks like a mess. And you just have to wonder why that's the case. And yeah. I think that goes, <clears throat> that either goes back to Embiid and Harden as the best players, or it goes back to Doc as the coach like you watch them and you it, you don't really ever really get a feel of what they are offensively, except for the the times when it looks like the Harden sort of thing that you've seen before, you know, um, looks like a mishmash. Yeah. I mean, it's important to note that Boston last year was under 500 as of January mm -hmm. and then finished the year very strong and obviously went where they went. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> they just... Something seems off. I, I will say that it doesn't seem, last podcast you were saying like, oh, we're saying the same thing that we've always said about this team. This feels different. This The issues with the Sixers right now don't feel like they're not getting to loose balls. They're getting out toughed. Uh, it's just it's just Joel not figuring out a, a double team or whatever it is. Like It seems like more just... I don't know. Something's out of whack in a way that that feels unfamiliar. Like they are getting the loose balls. They're not like giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. It's not like they're getting. They they have athleticism. The bench, I guess, is familiar. Sure, the bench. Yeah, that feels that feels close <laughs> to home. I I don't know why the bench is not as good. I think it is is Melton has been disappointing to me. I had very high hopes for him. House has been pretty bad. House stinks. Um, <laughs> Trez. I mean, he, he looks like he might snake. Yeah. House. Tre, Trez is tough. Um. They tried, you know, a couple, three minutes of Matisse yesterday. Like, Doc just seems like he's already, like, Doc seems like he's coaching a playoff game a little bit mm -hmm. in, in not in a good way of just, like, I got to try, I got to try it all. And everyone's got to play. Like, there's no reason for Harden to play 40 minutes, like, in this game. Like, back-to-back -back 40, like, these guys are too old to do this. Like, you got to, and I think some of their effectiveness will wane the more minutes that you play them. Like, it's not just a, a health thing but like the more they rest the more that they can be fresh and you should be able to trust bench guys and the fewer minutes that you play Harden and maxi together the better defense you should theoretically have and it's just not nothing seems right right now like there was a stretch in the milwaukee game where that short that small ball lineup was working especially Embiid played horrendous he's six of 21 so the small ball lineup was working and it was like should we not bring Embiid in like, should this not right. happen? Should yeah. he just, should we just stick with this? Because they, they ran on like a, some 12, 12 run or something like that um, to get back in the game, which get the bell ready. I stuck with the lineup that we made a nice little comeback as a coach in Alyssa's game. We were down. I like the evolution of you as player to you as coach. This is it. This is just the journey we're references. going on. Yeah. This is the journey we're going on. But I stuck with this lineup that, even though there were good players on the bench, you're like, look, this is working. You keep, you ride the hot hand. Came back to win, which felt good. Um, I would be tough to do that with Joel Embiid, but they, and then to end that game with like a Joel ISO when he was already playing very badly, I thought, I thought was probably generous in like hoping your best player saves you, but it didn't seem like the right fit for that moment because of how 
how good Harden looked and how bad how bad Embiid was looking. So offensively, I, I, I was watching a. There, there have been moments where Harden and Embiid run a pick and roll and it gets yeah. Embiid an easy bucket for yeah. sure. There are also moments where, I don't know what my point is. I'm trying to get to it here. There are also moments where they run it and Embiid has a shot. He doesn't take it because he's not used to just taking the shot that's there. And he like does a dribble, dribble move or two. And he, he could have had an easier shot. So if he's just sort of... Um, you know, was was more, I think, quick with that decision, which has always been his thing, more in passing, less in shooting. I think he would get more of those. But there's also moments, and I noticed this in the Bucks game, where he's just, Embiid is setting pick after pick after pick after pick. Um, sometimes hard in shooting, sometimes they go. And I just like, I can't, um, and this gets me to like, what is the offense really? Like, what is this going to settle upon in terms of the hierarchy of how many times we're doing things? Because Harden for so long has been either multiple pick and roll or multiple ISO and everything circles around him. And I just have to be, there is no fucking way, rightly or wrongly, Joel Embiid is going to go in into every game setting a million picks for James Harden. Physically, it's not going to work. It's not really his game, right or wrong. And I think it's part of part of why we're seeing some of the demeanor we're seeing is that everything is so Harden centric offensively, which I think also contributes to the the long periods of time where we see Maxi sort of disappearing. As as here are three really good offensive players, none of whom are particularly great, not being the focus of attention. And that's why you get a little, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. And I just do wonder what is, what are they offensively and what is their, um, what is their identity? And, and, uh, and that leads to, and you, when you see Harden without Embiid on the floor, everything looking sort of smoother because everybody's just doing the Harden thing for Harden. But I don't think any of us think that we're going to win a championship that way. So I just wonder what the final version of them is offensively. I don't think they know, but, um, but I would worry and we'll, we'll get to this eventually, but like, I'd be concerned that Embiid like turns into like Clint Capella or something like, and he doesn't want to do that. And I feel like I can see that on his face. I don't know if I'm projecting, but I feel like I can see that on his face. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Harden has been thus far significantly better than Embiid and I think better than he was last year. So to say that like we should be working through Embiid more makes sense broadly, but like it hasn't through three games, although he, he was definitely better in the Spurs game offensively. It, it It is, yes. I don't disagree that it feels like a my turn, your turn thing and it feels like there's... uh aside from the occasional play where the ball movement is really, the ball's really popping and swinging around to get an open look or get a cut, like, cause they're doubling Embiid and then Harden swings it quickly and finds like Tobias cutting or whatever it is. Like, that's nice. Those are a couple things like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't sustain. There's not enough of it. Uh, they are currently, at least per basketball reference, the slowest team in the league. Their pace is 30 out of 30. <laughs> well, that's not surprising at all. Given like the, well, your eye test, it, it's not surprising yeah. and who the players are. Yeah, you know, and, and when other teams like that, it wasn't as bad of an issue last last game. The transition against the Spurs, but there were times off of makes where the Spurs like got a quick bucket out of it, and you're just like, "Come on!" Like just taking the air out of you. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I feel like in previous years you <laughs> yeah. have a, a real a, a firmer handle on why it's not working, and it's definitely like the players aren't playing good enough, obviously, but like. Something is just not quite clicking in a way that um, it should be. And that's on Doc and that's on the players and all that stuff. And it doesn't, I don't care that PJ Tucker as a guy who won a championship and the guy who just got here being like, this isn't fucking good enough. Great. Like I want him, I want him doing that. I want him being in that role. Um, I just wonder what the response to that is and like how maybe I'm wrong, but like, isn't part of it like just so, um, demeaning is the wrong word, but like, I just wish one of the 
better players were in there saying that to everybody. I love PJ Tucker. He's probably by Danny Green slides out. Tucker slides in as like the guy that I like or whatever. I love that he does that. But I just I question whether <clears throat> whether your team can be led by somebody who isn't one of the best players on the team. I think I think one of those players can be a leader, but I I like I don't think PJ Tucker can be the one getting everyone together and saying, "Hey, guys, we're not working hard enough." I just the the fact that we're three games in and that's where we are is sort of like I forget what player it was talking about like players only meetings. You don't want to see more than one players only meeting in a uh, in a sure. season, or you're getting nervous. I just I'm nervous that PJ Tucker's yelling at everybody. They're not even trying hard enough, and we're three games into the fucking season. Yeah, I mean that's just his role. If Embiid said that to other guys, then it'd be like. Well, you, buddy, what the fuck are you doing? You're you look like shit out there, like you're right. not playing as well. So I and yeah, I don't I don't mind it. I think it's from a veteran leader that's won before. I think that everybody knows with his role. Everyone knows that he's like playing his ass off and sacrificing and stuff. And you know, he's not going to put up a ton of stats, obviously, but he's doing what needs to be done to to win ball games and stuff. And yeah, I think nobody else really great. is. Like I, think I mean, Tucker's played great. He's been yeah, he's been they've been he's been fine. Yeah, he's been totally fine. Maxie's been okay. Like it's just it's it's not like on an individual level aside from Embiid, like the the other starters are like pretty much doing their job, but something is not clicking right. Whether it's Doc not pressing the right buttons or rotations or just the bench being relatively non-existent, I wonder what like Shake and Korkmaz and Bebo Paul or whatever are, are like watch, sitting there watching the game, being like, "Well, I could do this. I could, I could play nine scoreless minutes." <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird, it's a, it's been a weird start to the season. And I think part of it, at least my, I haven't watched any games start, start to finish live yet. Mm -hmm. I've seen some of the game live, but then I've gone back and watched the rest of it. And so it's, I, I might not, I'm not like living and dying with the, the with the every yeah. possession. Yeah. It's like feeling, it's a, just a different feeling watching the game. And so hopefully I can, I can do that going up, but Phillies keep fucking winning. So, you know, so, so I want to get to Harden specifically and then Doc specifically. Um, after I tell you about Big Barker, therapeutic dog beds, they were there at Bark in the Park yesterday. Of course they were there. They've been with us forever. Big Barker, therapeutic dog beds. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Met three dogs yesterday who sleep on Big Barkers. All of them love it. One of their owners, was it Piper? Was it Piper's owner saying that, I think Piper's 10. They were like, look, I don't know. I don't know if it's the bed, but Piper definitely feels like she is springy for her age. It can't hurt. Big oh. Barker can't hurt. Most dog beds, complete shit. Big Barker, a real bed. That's all I can tell you. It is engineered by experts to support your dog's joints properly. It's been proven by PenVet that it helps in, in joint function and pain severity. It's not just for old dogs. It's for young dogs too. It's not just for huge dogs. It's for small dogs too. They Barker Jr. all the way up to the big one. You can just see the difference. When you look at the pictures, you can feel the difference when you, when you hold it and it's different for your dog. And uh, that is part of your responsibility to your dog. To keep your dog happy and keep your dog healthy. Because your dog, at least my dog, fucking runs my life. So go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. That's where you get the Big Barker dog bed with the process pup patches. You get two of them for free. And you send us a picture of your dog on the bed with the patch on it. We put them in the process pup gallery. I love dogs. I loved seeing all the dogs yesterday. I loved meeting the uh, the process pups yesterday at, uh, at Bark in the Park. It was great. There is a 10-year warranty on the bed. So you look at it, you're like, wow, come on, they're bucks for a dog bed. 10-year warranty. Foam does not flatten or they replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, your dog doesn't like it, they give you a full refund and they pay for the shipping. And it is handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. So Harden um, had two great games, I thought, obviously, statistically, the first two games. The, th uh, the game against the Spurs only scored 12 points, but... Looked reasonably, a reasonable facsimile of what we saw in the first two games. It just, just missed shots. Yeah, missed shots. The one thing from a, uh, now when we go, I, I know what is stuck in our mind is Heat giving up uh, Harden, um, which was disgraceful, but but not not totally about his play. It was about his engagement. You go back to the first few games the Sixers had Harden and he did, Everything looked amazing. 
he was like scoring 30, like he was having like 30 point triple doubles those first few games. My concern about watching Harden is twofold. One is that literally everything is coming from jump shots, whether they're mid range or three pointers. It's like, he is not getting to the rim and everything getting to the rim is that, you know, hoping to get fouled arms up in the air thing. It's not even like, it doesn't even seem like a legitimate attempt at, at scoring. And, uh, and the other thing is the, the whole thing where he is, he's looking his best in that way that I don't think they can play to win everything. They could play that way for stretches, but, um, I want to see him looking his best with Embiid on the court, which is as much about Embiid as it is about Harden. I think from a success standpoint, I think he looks fine. He, but I don't think he looks that much different than he did when he got here last year. No, I mean, he's not a totally new player, but I, I think there's definitely more burst. I think there's more pop. I think he is beating guys off the dribble. There are at least a couple times in the Spurs game where he got to the rim and sort of just missed a couple bunnies in a weird way. Maybe he got fouled, wasn't getting it. Um, I've been happy with Harden's play offensively. I think that this is like he's open up passing lanes. He's finding Joel. There's a handful of like, you know, unfocused, lazy plays or whatever, but... I think overall Harden's been Harden's been good. Harden's been what they need him to be offensively, and that's not necessarily the issue. Like, yeah, I shot four of eighteen last night. That that shouldn't happen. I don't I don't think it. I think it's more a couple of weird things. I like that. Look, do I want him to become a mid range jump shooter? Do I want him to become Demar Derozan? No, <laughs> but the having it as an option, I think, is very big. There were times both last year for the Sixers and in previous years with the Rockets where he just looked like a little bit of like short circuiting when he's left open, when they're like protecting the rim and put and like running him off the line. And so like, I'm happy that he is, it, it at least gives him some like creativity and some other options where in the playoffs, if the Sixers get there, they, he will. He won't be able to. He won't have to like just totally <laughs> shut down. Like it's good. It's it's important to have those kinds of options. And he looks good from the mid range. I'm happy to, for him to keep taking it from time to time. Should, I'm not like dying for you know eight, twelve foot jump shots a game from him. But I think it's been nice to see, and it's been nice to see. It's just like as far as honestly, just as far as like hey, watching him like develop his game. Or not obviously, it's not like crazy new, but like be willing to change. Mm-hmm. I think that is. I think Harden to me. You know, you can look around the league, Westbrook, probably another one, but like one of the mo- more reluctant to change type of players that there are. Um, the catch and shoot stuff, the moving off ball stuff, that kind of thing. Um, but I feel like I feel like he is, you know, he's going to fall asleep on defense, which is frustrating. But I think for the most part, it's been good to see his offensive game uh, so far. And I obviously would feel much better if they were like two and one or something, but it's hard to complain about Embiid, or not Embiid, about Harden so yeah, far, is the, I think. So before we get to Doc, I do want to, I, I want to thank uh, the mayor of Delco on uh, on Twitter, who DM'd us this on the Ricky, that pulled these clips from Media Day. CJ, if you wouldn't mind bringing it up, before we get to Doc, there are interesting Embiid clips, given given what what we were being told this week about the plantar fasciitis and his hand hurting and, and him sort of looking like the same player, just not quite in shape. So the first clip is when they asked him about what he added in the off season. CJ, would you mind? Would you, there we go. For you, given how the season ended with your, your couple of injuries, just how are you feeling and maybe how did the recovery process impact what you were able to, to do this summer? Um, I'm feeling great. Uh, I was in bad all, all summer, so. For uh. you, given. There we go. So he says he was in bed all summer. He laughs. Everyone assumes that he's kidding. So the, the follow-up to this, they ask him, um, how did you, there's three total clips. How did you work on your game in the offseason? Um, they, they, they follow up on the, I was in bed all summer. MVP caliber season. Uh, how do you feel like your game went to another level this offseason? In what ways did you work on your game to take it to another level? Um, I mean, I, like I said, I was chilling on the couch. So I didn't really work on my game, so we just going to have to wait and see you know, how the season goes. <laughs> okay. 
So we all laugh. We continue to laugh. But no, I mean, that one, that one, you're like, okay, he's being serious. Like, yeah. Is- so then, and this is, this is fine on audio, but on video is a little bit better. They bring up these comments to George Niang and Sheikh Milton, and they ask them what they think. And Niang's face and Milton's face, they, I'm telling you, if, if you're, if you're listening on Spotify or, or, you know, look at the video, or if, if you have the ability to go to YouTube or something or Spotify or Twitch or something, look at the video. So here we go. Here is the, when, when Yang and Milton were approached. Try to take this game to even another level this off season. He joked that he spent the off season on the couch, which is probably not true. So in what ways do you guys notice that Joel even took this game to the next level? Did he really say that? Yeah. Twice. <laughs> That's not surprising, but uh, no, I mean, I was out in L.A. for a little bit, and I, I got to see, you know, Joel. And obviously, I think the thing that's admirable about Joel is, I was telling someone earlier, is like, no matter how many times he failed or has had to miss because of an injury or snipped out of an award, he comes back with the same passion and, and drive to be even better. And I know he jokes around, said he was sitting on the couch, but, I mean, it's, it's admirable. You know, the guys like us, you see a guy like that with all the achievements that he's had and all the money that he's made and, he still comes in and and works like he's trying to make the team. He's he's a diligent worker, and I think that's why you know this team is is has been successful and is going to be successful when you have a guy like that, the leader and, um, and the star player of your team works that hard. So basically, it said nothing. <laughs> like talked around it. No, I, I saw him in LA. He doesn't know that he saw anything specifically in LA. I don't know. Going back to these quotes now and they're like, Hey, what'd you do all season? He's like, ha ha. I was on the couch. And they're like, no, really? What'd you work on? He's like, nah, I told you I was on the couch. I think with Joel. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this. It's a little bit different in the Spurs game, but I was thinking about this after the box game before I learned about the planet for Shidas. He is. I think he's one of the most human superstars that we have. And it feels his motivation and his what he's got going on always feels very maybe fans all feel this about their player, about their main guy, but like it feels very clear to us. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was very clear that he was he has been frustrated for years that he's never been really healthy for the playoffs. Well, the one time he was healthy, it was when Ben broke his back and nobody else was there. Every other year, he's had Something. various crazy injuries, whether it's whether it's like the face stuff on two occasions, one on Markel, one on Siakam, or you know, fucking bad duties that one year. <laughs> Plenty of stuff, and I think he's. I think he put to bed the idea of like winning an MVP last year and is like, okay, I'm just going to make sure I'm healthy for the playoffs. And then it became, so I, everything I need to do is to make sure I'm healthy for the playoffs. And that means giving less effort in the regular season. And so you can see him not doing as much as he normally would. You can see him like kind of lag, like that is his, he doesn't want to like, you know, tear up his ankle or something whatever it is like you can see him that his sluggishness a lot of the time to me reads as he is very clearly like trying to hold himself back and there has to be a solution where he can be very effective very helpful to winning while also not like running into the stanchion and you know jumping into the stands or whatever like those kind like there has to be a middle ground but i think with joel because we've seen him for so long because we know what he's like and what he's struggled through I, it feels very clear to me that this is a guy obviously now he's working back from what he, what he went through in the offseason whatever surgery but to me it also feels like he is like almost stubbornly determined to not be hurt for the playoffs that is the most generous reading of this. <laughs> but it's not, but I don't even think it's generous. I think it's I just like he is, he's not playing good enough. He has to be better. For sure. But I think that there is part of it that of like, he is the most like turn it off, turn it on kind of guy. Not in the way that like, I don't know, Sha- Shaq was or whatever. Like he's just, I don't know. I We have watched so much. I've watched I, almost every minute of Joel's 
like basketball career. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you can tell when he's locked in or not. And I, the, the comments that he made in, after the season and the offseason and media day, whatever, was like just about needing to be healthy for the playoffs. And I think that is driving him more than anything else. And he's tired of like regular season success and then having to come up short in the playoffs. I think he is like determined on it. And so, which I get and I feel, but he's got to be better. Before we get to to Doc, the, the the last part of this, what do you think about moving either Maxi or Harris to the bench? To to like they're already moving it around a little bit, so Maxi gets some time on his own, but he might benefit from more time on his own. And the they've had so much; they obviously are not comfortable playing Shake Milton. And like I understand, most of the scoring is going to come from the starters, but like they can't score seven points a game. Yeah, I mean, bench. I don't. They need to tinker with the bench. So it's part of it is just giving it more time, and things will happen, shots will fall, whatever. But like, I would definitely give Shake a look, a hundred percent. Um, and I would try to stagger Maxi and Harden as much as possible, because there's a mismatch out there all the time with them. And if you're up, then you can you can deal with that, and then you can go offense, defense, and stuff. But there's which Doc has been willing to do, which I've been happy to see, like throwing in Melton in here and there, throwing into uh, Matisse in here and there. Like I would, I would just try to make sure that that one of them is always on the court, and they're not both playing like a ton as many minutes as they currently are playing. And that's like working the bench, get some fresh legs, see who gets hot. Like it's too early in the season to be like burning everyone. I just don't, it's. Well, it was, I, I'm right about some things wrong about others. I told you this was going to fucking happen, that they were all going to play too many minutes. I yeah. knew it. Okay, so Doc, Doc, um, how much of this is Doc's fault? Should Doc get, do you think Doc Rivers is going to get fired? And, and no. Bill Sim, we'll get to Bill Simmons in a second. Bill Simmons mentioned that Doc is on a short leash and that he, he would bet on Mike D'Antoni being coach of the year this year. Do you think Doc's going to get fired? Well, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, would I be fine with it if Doc, if Doc was fired in like a month and Sam Cassell took over? Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be great. <laughs> How uh, much of this do you think is his fault? I, at least a part of it. Yeah. But like it's three, it's also, it's three games. Like I, it is three regular season games. And I think I get two of them against good teams. One of them, an inexplicable loss against a team that was hitting shots, but like you can't lose the Spurs. You can't lose the Spurs at home when they're on no. a second night of a back to back and you're 0 2. Like it just shut up, Brett Brown. It Shout cannot happen. Brown. It simply, simply cannot happen. And so that I think is reason for PG Tucker to be like, what the fuck? Um, but it, it's, it is to me, I feel like. I feel a little at sea with what, why it's not working right now. And so Doc is at least partly to blame with that, but I don't, I don't feel like I have like the answer right now that, sure. that they are simply like not doing in a way that like, I felt like I had the answer with playing B-ball Paul over DeAndre Jordan last playoffs. <laughs> like that was the answer and it was the right one. Um, but, but here it just seems like, I don't know, fucking figure it out guys. Like it's a little bit of just like play better, hit shots, move the ball, make quicker decisions, defend, like communicate better. It's just like do there's like do the basketball stuff. And it feels like once that happens, then they just play a little tighter than um they should win a basketball game, possibly. Before we a, a great mailbag. I, I want to give credit. We we got an email from Ukraine and like the fact that this is the main concern of this person in Ukraine is is my the Sixers is amazing. Um we wish him safety and uh, and health, of course. Before we do, Mortgage CS. Become a Ricky VIP. You can't go to anybody else for a mortgage before you go to Mortgage CS. That's all I ask. I, I'm not saying that you have to get your mortgage through a Mortgage CS, but I'm telling you that if you go there to at least educate yourself and find out what it's all about, you will be better for it. Go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. Mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. You can see in the care they put into the slash Ricky part of their site, 
is a reflection on the care that they show to the people who go there to get a mortgage. You see, they're not a lender. They don't give you the money. They're a broker. So they go to places and find you the best rate. They, they find the money for you. But the most important thing about them is that they're independent. So they're, they don't have ties to any one bank. Sometimes when you go to a mortgage broker, they might have a relationship with a certain bank. So they want to sway you to go you that way because it benefits them financially, but that's not what Mortgage CS is about. Mortgage CS is about educating you on mortgages. They're about getting you the best rate. And they're about when you walk away, knowing more than when you came there. I met three people yesterday at uh, Bark in the Park who all went to Mortgage CS for their mortgage, Ricky people. And I'll said, man, it almost seemed fake how nice they were and how helpful they were. And exactly as we describe on the podcast. Saw Alec there yesterday. It was great. They were giving out t-shirts. Um, love Mortgage CS. Really proud to have them as a sponsor. And uh, I thank them for their support of Bark in the Park and the, uh, the Food Truck Festival yesterday. Go to MortgageCS.com slash Ricky. MortgageCS.com slash Ricky. That's where you can set up a... Uh, set up a, a consultation or just text Ben, the CEO at any point. They're always ready for you. Not just now, but through the process of getting a home and getting a mortgage, they're always going to be on guard for you. Call or text Ben at 267-391-7425. That is 267-391-7425. If you're not convinced, just look at the Google reviews for Mortgage CS, over 200 five-star reviews. MortgageCS.com slash Ricky. Thank you, Mortgage CS. This ad is not a commitment to lender extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com slash Ricky for more information. All right. The mailbag, you can either send us an email or send us a, or leave a voicemail for us. Email is writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Voicemail is 833-LICKFACE. That's 833-LICKFACE. This comes from Will. Doing my best to be level-headed. Unfortunately, and I know how stupid this reads, but Bill Simmons has been on this Knicks rumor for years. So for context here, before we finish off the email, Simmons mentioned on his pod that he should, which we just heard of actually, the podcast, that you should keep an eye on Embiid trying to force his way to the Knicks. Now, we first brought this up when Leon Rose signed to be their president of basketball ops. Leon Rose used to be Embiid's agent at CAA. Embiid is no longer at CAA. He is independent. Anyway, I don't want you and Mike to relitigate your Simmons feelings. We get it. However, Simmons has been on this for a while, and I think it's at least worth a discussion on the pod. I think we're gaslighting ourselves a little bit, hand-waving over Embiid's body language and mood for a while. This is not a two-game phenomenon. Great content already, and it's barely been a week. I hate this team. So, and the, the other thing that Simmons mentioned was that Embiid is unhappy uh, or could be unhappy about all the things that were done to specifically make Harden comfortable and that he feels unsettled uh, in his place with the Sixers. How much credence would you put in none. this? None. 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 Zero. None. Zero. None. None. Why would he well, say it? Do you think he's... Because he's a Celtics fan. Reading? Do you think... Well, he is pretty connected. Who, who would... And B doesn't have an agent... Does not currently have so any like agent. who is like who would he hear this from other than like maybe Knicks people could could be Knicks people. I'm not, I mean, not I think and definitely not going to be concerned three games into a season. Can I? Where, can where I they just, got PJ Tucker because Embiid asked him to. Let me He's offer this. Harden. Zero. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just playing a devil's advocate here. All right, we can do the who does he know? But you know, having done this podcast for a while. Even if you or I do not reach out to anyone to find out anything, as soon as you start having a voice, people start wanting to tell you things. And people who matter start to wanting to tell you things, even if you don't seek it out. So take your eye and multiply it by like a million and you get like where Simmons is. So I, I, what I, my, my only counter would be, I don't think he's making it up. I don't think it's merely tea leaf reading. It might be a step beyond tea leaf reading, not a, a report from somebody close to Embiid, but I think it's probably a step below tea leaf reading. Yeah, I mean, no. there's a ton of rumors like that of this guy wants to get this guy. This doesn't want to be there anymore. Them and the, him and him are talking of like, we're trying to get this, whatever. Like it's all, I think, has the idea of playing for the Knicks and maybe cross Joel's mind at any point. Sure. Maybe it was something, maybe this is something from years ago and 
everyone's just assuming that it's still going to come together. I don't know. I think that it honestly could have been from like the Colangelo years or something like that. Like Embiid knows that this is his team and this is his city and Daryl's his guy. And like they went out and got guys to help him. Like Ben's no longer there. Like he said he like he likes Daryl and Daryl's very smart and they've had smart GMs except for one. Like I just don't. There's a chance that there at some point this was like more of a possibility, but he signed a big ass contract. He's happy to be here. He's like, you know, he's gotten laughed by like Nick Sirianni and Bryce Harper as far as like who is Mr. Philadelphia, but like Embiid's pretty close. Okay. This comes from, I believe the name is Kiosev. Hello from Ukraine, guys. Don't want to sound too grim, but is this the season when Joel ass out? Couldn't think of a decent non-basketball question. Sorry. He doesn't this worry- want to sound too grim. Yeah. He's worried about us. Doesn't want to sound too grim. Uh, um, hold on. Let's it's three a- games into the season. Guys, it's three games into the season. But it it it's, couldn't be worse. It's very funny. It's objectively weird. It's unpleasant, but it is funny. And the fact that the Phillies and Eagles, man, I can't can't tell you what air cover it's giving them. And they're <laughs> a lot of fine. cover. The season yep. is long. Ask us in January when we've done forty more podcasts <laughs> how long the season. It's a long season for sure. They will be like seven and five, and you'll be like, okay, it'll be fine. It'll probably be fine. Or they go to 0 and 8, and that's also really funny. How many games do you think they have to lose? If how many, how many games do they have to lose before Doc gets fired? Seven. You think 0 and 7 they fire Doc? Yeah, I I don't think before that. I think Doc, I think Daryl's got to be real fucking sure. I think I think he, I think he knows in his gut. All right, I I re, like this has to be a no doubt about it firing, and I think you got to get to like six or seven. Okay. So what do Sixers, you think? Sixers Pacers tomorrow. Yeah, that would be a fucking terrible loss. Losing to the Pacers and Spurs back to back would be bleak. That would be, would be some alarm bleak. bells. Yep. Um, and then two on the road against the Raptors, then the Bulls, who are also scuffling, then the Wizards twice. So should be some wins in there. Should be like four or five wins. Let's say you mm-hmm. split with Toronto. Like, should be. But if not. So you're saying if they lose to the Wizards, that'd be, I think, seven games so oh. the Wiz- after the Wizards. Can you imagine? and seven. Yeah. Doc Rivers fired. Yeah. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. With all the good feelings that was coming in the offseason and all the, yep. the South Carolina and vibes are playing together. Vibes everybody vibes. having fun. Vibes. That'd be pretty funny to go 0-7 and, and fire Doc. That would be that would be something. But, uh, but no, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be fine. Does this give me, like, pause for the going forward in the season, like in the playoffs, like a ton to figure out, a ton to figure out. Um, but as far as... We can't even tank because the Nets get the pick. Yes. I don't think that they're going to tank. I think that would be surprising <laughs> to me if they if they tanked. Uh, All right. You know, Phillies it- are one win away from the World <laughs> Series. It's important to know. It's important to note that. Thank and God. the vibes just across the parking lot are very good, very high. But by the wild way, fans being very excited as Phillies Astros possibly could be Phillies as as the sweetheart as the protagonist uh-huh. babyface Phillies against the evil Astros. Yep, just check in with the Sixer season in a couple weeks. It's gonna be fine. They'll be all right. Honestly, Daryl basically complaining about Philadelphia in the off season. Not really complaining, Daryl. Relax. But the the temperature of the city going from hot to cold so quickly is such a gift right now for the Sixers. Yeah. As many times as it hurts them, it is it it is like so low on the fucking radar right now. Yeah. God God bless them. Uh this kid is a voicemail that came in to 833 Lickface specifically to Mike. Again, leave us a voicemail at 833 Lickface. This is Brian from Maryland. The crowd's booing indeed, rightfully so. The, guy, the Sixers are now teaching him to fall onto the ground intentionally. At what point are you, Mike, going to turn full heel on Embiid? I'm there. It's game two, and I'm there. <laughs> game two. 
I wonder what that guy's doing after the Spurs. The Spurs loss, yeah. The, They've always been teaching NBA default. That's been years. There's been well, years of that. Stan Van Gundy did make a good point about that. One of his few good points in his annoying coffee breath uh, analysis is he was like, if he keeps falling down all the time on purpose and their transition defense is bad, yeah. <laughs> that might not be helping. It's that's, not a bad point, you fair. know? Can you yeah. explain coffee, coffee breath for Stan Van Gundy? Just, I wanted to elaborate on that. Uh, it's him and uh, Thibodeau. I just look at as like yelling all the time and mm-hmm. barely sleeping. So they're always drinking coffee. So I just imagine him just like at the practice facility, screaming incessantly and drinking coffee right before practice. So I assume that he has bad coffee breath. Okay, that's fair. It's something, right? I mean, I have thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I just wanted um, to. I just I didn't want to skip past it. I wanted to, I wanted to give you the opportunity to for sure. elaborate. No, I, as far as going heel on Embiid, I've I've tinkered with it. Like I've I've played around with like being like held, holding him accountable at least. But yeah, I, I think we I'm, have. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna turn turn ever full heel on Embiid. I'm never gonna say like it's time to trade him. No, I'm just trying to like build around somebody else. Like break it up. Like I'm not. He is, is he a, as far as like superstars go, is he a flawed one? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, think, it is a specific kind of team that has to be built around him and he has to play to such a level because of the things kind of holding him back. Like for sure. He's not just, you know, let's, let's pick an example. He's obviously better than this player, but like, as far as like Paul George could fit on any team, like his skill set as, as like the number, I guess he wouldn't be a number one superstar, but like as a number two, like Kevin Durant, like. Oh, as Paul far George. As like, it would be our first, the first wing on the Sixers. Yeah. It would be exciting. Well, Jimmy. Oh, right. No, I mean on the current Sixers. Current Sixers, sure. Yeah. The so it's 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 tricky. It's definitely like trickier. And and he is because of his, you know, he's not just he's a big, he's a big fucking load, man. Like he's a big load, and when he's not like pl- playing like the best basketball. The way that the NBA is now, he can't just be Shaq inside and just like dunk on everybody, and it's easy. Like it, he it is a different kind of thing, and so he can he can look bad. He's he's more capable of looking bad than a lot of other superstars in the top 10, 15, whatever, uh, in the league. And that is, I think, why sometimes it gives everybody pause. But he's also really capable of impacting the game at, at a level that almost nobody else can. So not final turn heel on him. Final email. This comes from Cameron, right? Streaky Sanchez at gmail.com. Many times this offseason, Mike, and I, by the way, I think we have over the last couple of years done a good job of holding Embiid accountable to their, for their failures in the playoffs. I think whether it is you or I, I think we have traded off, um, not only advocating for his credit when he plays well, but certainly, um, noting when he has not lived up to the moment. And we said it in the lead up to this season that he has to, if they lose in the playoffs, he, he cannot, he can't, it can't just be that the splits are better with him on the court. We have to look at his performance and say that he did all that he could do. Yeah. We're not, this isn't a Homer podcast. No. This is not just, we, we are critical. Almost too critical. Yeah. This comes from Cameron. Many times this offseason, Mike has mentioned how this is the deepest Sixers team he's ever seen in his life. Yet Doc only played nine games, nine guys, one game at, at Game one and 10 game two, 11 if you count the possession, Thibault got at the end of the game and Trez only got three minutes. PJ Tucker played 39 minutes last game, the most games, he's, most minutes he's played in any game, postseason included, since 2020. PJ is also the third oldest player in the league. I'm fine with Harden's 40 minutes as he was single-handedly keeping us in the game. This is the Bucks game. But this doesn't seem sustainable for the rest of the season. Shouldn't Thibault be getting some of PJ's minutes, especially on nights when PJ's shot isn't falling? Should Jaden Springer get on the court for end of the game defensive situations i mean i would settle for cork and and fucking shake milton yeah shake we, should definitely get, be on the court i i think i don't know i'd be interested to hear what doc thinks about it as far as like playing more guys and going into his bench um i would i guess the charitable explanation is like i'm just trying to get like these eight guys on the same page and to establish a rhythm between these eight guys and then when guys are banged up, then we can insert one player in, and that's the that's the role they're filling, and that kind of thing. But you just need somebody to like pop a little bit more than they have, and and nobody on the bench has yet, aside from like you know hitting a couple shots here and there, whatever. But like nobody's taking over. Really, have been disappointed with Melton's defense uh, on ball. Um, 
hasn't been as good as it it at, as he's capable of. So I don't know. I I would definitely like. I would definitely stop playing guys forty minutes in in a game, <laughs> a regular season game that you're losing. I would I would certainly stop doing that. Um, and I think I think that there is a little bit of like I don't know. It feels it feels a little bit like Doc is panicking, and that's why he's playing these guys so many minutes and trying to get to whatever but it's also like his natural state like he wants to just like burn guys and, and not go to the bench and except for his like extremely defensively limited center that he's insisted on playing Montrez who Daryl said Doc is the reason we got Trez in on this podcast and Trez looks like shit <laughs> so thank you Doc for that so far um so they play as you mentioned the Pacers on Monday and uh and then two against the raptors so let's hope they get a win against the pacers i we did not expect zero and three here um <laughs> this was certainly but honestly not, like they've won they've won plenty of regular season games in the past and where has it gotten us right so they should so lose them they should yeah. lose them this is a this is a binding a, a fusion moment they can get together us against the world doc gets fired friggin sam cassell or dwayne jones is the coach Get him in there. Let's go. Mike D'Antoni. Where's Mike D'Antoni coming from? He's on his couch. He's on Embiid's couch. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni is sleeping on Embiid's just couch. Just waiting on his couch. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, oh, wait. I had one thing. Uh, fuck. I lost. Oh, oh, San Antonio. Brett Brown, of course, has made his first return to the Wells Fargo Center yesterday. Um, and we will go and visit Brett. South, I, I saw two uh, groups of people yesterday who were going on fly, the return of Fly the Process. We're going to Austin and San Antonio. We'll stay in Austin, take a bus to San Antonio for three nights in February to visit Brett Brown um, with fans of Philly. And if you are interested in going on the trip, you can reserve your spot for 150 bucks. Just go to uh, rightstrickysanchez.com. We'll be fun to go see Brett and, uh, and obviously lose to the Spurs again. In, uh, That's right. It'd be great yeah. to lose to the Spurs yeah. in, in Brett's house. By the way, it was fun seeing he got in some foul trouble and missed shots, but it was great seeing Sohan on like seeing Sohan play NBA basketball. He looks exactly the way I thought he would look. If he can if he can end up being able to shoot corner threes, he's gonna be fucking awesome. So yeah, he's a menace. And, and Devin Vassell De- is De- good, Vassell. man. Holy shit. De- yeah, he's good, man. I, I yeah. kept him in execs. He's on my team. He's good. All right. We will talk to you next time. Um, and by then. The Phillies could be in the World Series. Maybe go. almost if likely. We'll that's the team we podcast about. Yeah. <laughs> you know TTP. Yeah. You know. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's a friend.